What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for making it part of your day. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening. I am Pete of The Pete Callender Show. And you can hear the latest episodes at thepetecallendershow.com. And, of course, any of your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't have a favorite podcast platform, then I invite you to check out the links below in the description here. And you can uh, go to the Pete Callender Show. Uh, dot com, and you can find all of the links to all of the various podcasting platforms. You can also listen to the latest episode there. Uh, you can also join the Facebook group, and uh, you can also uh, find a link to the Patreon page uh, where you can uh, help support the program, like Gary has, and Easy, and Green, and uh, Monica, and James, and Jan, and Janet, and Jean, and Ben. And I appreciate everybody uh, uh, supporting the program getting us off the ground and uh, helping for the ongoing cost of operations. That's like literally how this is getting funded. It's a sort of commercial radio model hybrid with uh, the public radio model. So uh, thank you very much for all of your support. We also want to thank uh, our uh, sponsors of the program, Mattress Man, where Chuck is the owner. And uh, I've known Chuck now for, uh, I guess, over a year. It's been probably close to, if not over a year. But it's funny because I, I know his business, I and mean, I've known his business for way longer because Christy and I, we bought our mattress from Mattress Man like seven or eight years ago. And it's a memory foam <clears throat> mattress, and we love it. And uh, we like have been uh, singing its praises, and we love Mattress Man stores, and we love the bed and all of this. And then uh, Mattress Man uh, stores comes on board, and uh, they want to uh, advertise on the program, on first on the radio show, and uh, now on the podcast. And I'm eternally grateful for uh, for their support over the uh, the past year uh, of the program, and for helping us launch this uh, as well. And uh, I want to let you know that they've redone their entire website, mattressmanstores.com. So you can go over to their website, click on the uh, shop online page and or the link there, and it'll take you to their store. And uh, they just, like I said, they overhauled the whole website in this COVID era. And uh, so now you can see everything that they've got in stock. Okay. You can buy online anything they've got in stock in any of their stores. All right. They wanted to reach out, let you know that their thoughts are with you and your loved ones the weeks ahead. Uh, and just like the weeks behind us now, they are difficult. And it's really, really difficult for local family-owned businesses like Mattress Man. And social distancing and quarantines and all of this stuff, the in-store traffic is impacted. Okay, so and there isn't any way around it. And so they're asking for your support. If you were thinking about buying a mattress and you're shopping around online, please Get on over to mattressmanstores.com and it'll be worth your your while because first off, you're going to get a great mattress. And secondly, they're great people. They do great work in the community here. Thirdly, um, you're going to get free local white glove delivery service. Uh, fourthly, you're going to get uh, a 120-day comfort guarantee. So ensures that you're going to love your mattress, right? And fifthly, if you use the discount code RESTWELL, you'll get an additional 20% savings off. So those are the f like five reasons right there that are awesome. RESTWELL, it's all one word, R-E-S-T-W-E-L-L, -L, RESTWELL, all one word, 20% savings site-wide. Uh, and not to mention that they're just great people over there at mattressmanstores.com is the website. Buy local, sleep better, 
and experience the difference at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. Alrighty, so you heard about this protest in Raleigh, I'm assuming by now. It's <clears throat> been all over the place. I was going to get to it uh, yesterday, but I didn't. And, um, I, well, I shouldn't say I didn't get to it, because I did kind of mention it, but not a lot, right? We didn't get in-depth on it. So here's the deal. There's a group that's called Reopen NC, and uh, I said this a couple days ago. I am in this Facebook group, and now I think it's like it's tens of thousands of people, uh, and uh, they staged a rally slash protest. Actually, it's demonstration. It's a demonstration, right? They 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 staged a demonstration in Raleigh, and they did this on Tuesday, and somebody got arrested. Okay, the group was there to protest the governor's executive order, and ironically enough, that's what they got arrested. This person got arrested for violating that order. Um, they want the state. Here's the the basic premise: is they want the state opened back up by the end of April. All right. Uh, a lot of people were protesting in their cars, and some of uh, the people were out on the sidewalks. Um, and so you have this this really weird intersection of uh, of constitutional rights and public health and safety concerns, right? And uh, the order, the executive orders say what? No mass gatherings, right? You're not allowed to congregate in these groups. And if you are going to hang out with somebody else, you got to be, you know, six feet apart from each other and all of this. And these folks who went down on Tuesday to protest, uh, it, when one of them got arrested, there was uh, uh, the Raleigh Police Department on the social media site Twitter. They uh, they said that this person was arrested as uh, in vi- because they were violating the governor's executive order. And on Twitter, there was a fellow who asked what part of the governor's order was being violated here. And the Raleigh Police Department Twitter account administrator, I don't know who it is, the Raleigh Police Twitter response was, quote, protesting is a non-essential activity. <laughs> protesting is a non-essential activity um i'm not so sure tell that to the moral monday crowd right it is interesting to me to see all of the folks who were very very upset about this protest that occurred uh but were in full swoon for two plus years as the moral monday crowd showed up every single week to get themselves arrested you know um this tweet according to uh sister told you or aka stacy matthews from redstate.com she says, this set off alarm bells all over the place, considering protesting is not specifically mentioned, actually, in the executive order. There is a limit on the gatherings that states no more than 10 people can gather together, and even then they have to be at least six feet apart from each other. But the executive order doesn't specifically ban uh, demonstrations, protests. And that's what the governor, in his press conference this week, that's sort of the language he used. He said... You know, this is uh, uh, my executive order doesn't do anything about uh, 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 constitutionally protected demonstrations and right to assemble and seek redress of their government and all of that. No, no, no. This was about just mass gatherings. So he's trying to thread this needle, as I said uh, in, in the other show, uh, he's, he, he's trying to thread this needle by saying we're not targeting that type of activity. You just got swept up in the mass gatherings language, I guess. <laughs> but when the Raleigh Police Department says that uh, protesting is a, a non-essential activity, uh, well, 
that's where your classic American contrarianism and anti-authoritarianism just, you know, <laughs> just rears its head, right? Uh, Travis Fain, a reporter for uh, WRAL, he says that the issue remains that the Raleigh Police Department seems to be saying that they can arrest people for protesting even if they are social distancing or not. Right. The Raleigh Police Department, in that tweet, is indicating that it doesn't matter if you're following all of the other rules of social distancing. Right? They're saying it's not an essential activity, therefore it's prohibited. Okay, so this prompted a couple of letters. <laughs> this prompted a few, not just to the editor. No, it prompted uh, a letter here from Senator, State Senator Warren Daniel and State Senator Danny Britt. They are co-chairs of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And they wrote a letter to the governor and they said, we write to request urgent clarification of your executive orders. The Raleigh Police Department publicly announced this afternoon that protesters are in violation of the governor's executive order and that protesting is a non-essential activity. Have you, in fact, prohibited via executive order the act of protesting against your executive orders? We understand that your executive order mandate uh particular social distancing requirements, and your order also permits dozens of people to gather in places of business, provided those businesses abide by your social distancing restrictions. But the police department in North Carolina's capital city did not point to improper social distancing as the reason for their decision to arrest people. The police department indicated that you, by executive order, have prohibited protesting itself. If that is true, and if authorities are arresting people who protest because you prohibited protesting, that would be a grave overstep in your authority and would require immediate judicial intervention. Can you please clarify whether your executive orders pro uh, have prohibited the First Amendment right of North Carolinians to peacefully protest against your executive orders? Uh, and this came up at the press conference. I played this audio yesterday, but... Two quick sound bites here. Uh, this came up in the press conference. First, Will Duran from the News and Observer with, please, oh, please, Governor, would you mind addressing this, you know, kind of tricky subject, if you don't mind? I mean, if it's okay by you at this press conference and all. Here we go. Uh, yeah, hi there. Um, there have been some questions lately about whether uh, protests should be exempted from the stay-at-home order, and uh, I was hoping to to ask the governor what he thinks about that issue, if that's something that you're looking into. Uh, well, first, the executive orders that I've issued uh, do not uh, interfere with people's constitutional rights to uh, express themselves. Uh, however, they do deal with people with unlawful mass gatherings and people who are uh, disobeying those orders because they are put there in order to protect the people of North Carolina, uh, protect people from transferring this virus from one person to the next. And those executive orders are there for public safety, and we expect people to obey those orders wherever they are or whatever they're doing. Right. So the executive order, he says, doesn't question, interfere... I, yeah, he says, next question, please. That's what he always says. Um, well, until he says no more questions. But ex he says the executive order does not interfere with 
people's rights to express themselves, which is kind of not what the question was. It's about protests, right? It's about, pro. do they have the right to, it's not about expressing yourself. It's the right to peaceably assemble. And that's what Cooper is dodging here. It's the right to peaceably assemble. It's not just expressing yourselves. Because, yeah, you can seek redress of your government, right? You can send a letter. You can send an email. You can make a phone call. You can go to Twitter or Facebook. Of course you can. The question here is, do you have the right to peaceably assemble in a demonstration? Another reporter, Jonah Kaplan, then follows up later on at the very end of the Q&A with uh, with an attempt to get more clarification. But as I mentioned, and now repeatedly, uh, that the governor's press conferences, these briefings that he does uh, about every other day or so, um, they are so tightly managed that it allows him to not answer questions and then exit stage left uh, before anybody can uh, press him too hard on any of this. Hi, Governor. Um, I just want to follow up on the question earlier regarding the, pre- the protests that occurred in Raleigh yesterday. I understand those protesters are planning to come back. Um, to be clear, under your executive order, is any sort of protest considered non-essential at this point? Do people have a right to go to public places and protest decisions you make? Our executive order doesn't address First Amendment rights. Our executive order addresses mass gatherings, and it addresses mass gatherings uh, that would occur under any circumstances. And this is in order to protect people's public health and to, to try to slow the spread of this virus. And these mass gathering bans are in most states in North Carolina because they are one of the best protections that we have in order to slow the spread of the virus. Thank you all very much for... Right, so the same answer. He ends his press conference, uh, or the briefing, he ends it. Congress shall make no law, though, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That is precisely what the protesters were doing. And from what I understand, they were, in fact, uh, honoring the executive order when it comes to the social physical distancing and, uh, you know, people staying in their cars. They weren't all, you know, piled in, packed in on top of each other, spreading the virus everywhere. What The, the only thing that, that they were doing that prompted the arrest, apparently, from all the reports I have seen, is simply that they were there, that this person was there. And what the Raleigh Police Department's tweet was that this is a non-essential activity. And Cooper isn't answering this question. He just keeps saying, oh, well, I didn't write the executive order uh, to address the First Amendment. This doesn't interfere with the First Amendment. There's nothing like that going on. We're just saying you can't gather. Well, that's like saying, well, I didn't write this executive order that, you know, bans free speech. I'm just saying you can't speak. That's all. I mean, it's just saying you can't speak. It's not banning free speech. I kind of get the feeling I'm being gaslit on this. I understand the need for certain measures when it comes to public health and safety, right? Like quarantining and that sort of thing. I've said this from the beginning for the last six weeks. I've been saying this. I understand uh, why government in times of crisis, in times of pandemic and plague, uh, that government needs to take certain actions that otherwise would be completely objectionable 
to most Americans, particularly civil libertarians. But it seems like the governor is trying to have it both ways here. And I don't know why, really, like, I, I, I don't, know, don't know why. I mean, they just don't want the protests to happen or something. I don't know, but it just, it seems like he's making it worse. But again, that's, maybe it's because most of the time, you know, when, when you see the governor uh, caught in these types of tough situations, uh, he can usually just exit stage left or his media handlers take to Twitter and Facebook and they answer for him. So he's never, uh, he never has to actually speak to these things because when he doesn't have an answer, by the way, this goes back all the way, this is his entire career, but it was really uh, on display when he was arguing the HB2 issue against Pat McCrory in the 2016 race. Um, when he gets pinned on something and when he gets put in a position where he has to explain himself and, and, and he can't do it very well. He, he can't do it. So, And I think that's what's happening here. He's just simply restating, no, 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 no First Amendment uh, uh, issue here. We're just saying you can't gather. You can't peaceably assemble for health and public safety reasons. But there's no First Amendment problem here. <laughs> well, that's the First Amendment, man. <laughs> so uh, the... Uh, the people that were there protesting, by the way, <clears throat> they were there um, demanding that the governor come up with some sort of a plan to reopen the state. This was Tuesday. They're there demanding that there be uh, a plan put in place. And just as luck would have it, I'm sure it's completely coincidental. But uh, the day after the protest demonstration in Raleigh and the arrest and the story goes national from the Raleigh Police Department's tweet. Uh, people saying, wait, what? Protesting is a non-essential activity. Uh, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. It went viral. And then the next day, the governor comes out with his plan. And I use that term very loosely. Plan. <laughs> it's not really a plan, folks. I read it. It took me like three minutes because it's nine slides literally nine slides and two of them are uh pictures of the governor at a press at his press conferences they took pictures of him and his you know secretary standing at the at the podium you know with the american flag and then they put like a quote at the bottom of each one and they've got like a nifty little slogan to it we're going to get through this together and uh that's that's the presentation. There's like one slide <laughs> that has three little pictures on it, three little graphics, like little stick figure kind of drawings and stuff. I mean, it's done professionally. Don't get me wrong. But it's the kind of thing that you'd put together if you didn't have a plan and all of a sudden people were demanding a plan. And so you, you like threw one together overnight. Like that's the way it looked, probably because that's what happened, right? You had the big protest. The next day you got the press briefing and look at that. He's got a quote plan <laughs> now if that sounds like your emergency preparedness plan uh i recommend that you uh, contact my friend tim at old grouch's military surplus are you ready for a disaster were you ready for this how prepared are you right now what if things don't get better for a very long time are you ready for that Tim has been helping people at Old Grouch's Military Surplus for uh, years now. His dad opened the store 30-plus years ago in downtown Clyde on Main Street. It's across from the anti-aircraft gun. Uh, now it's all online because of COVID. Oldgrouch.com is the website. And if you have questions about preparedness and you need some advice, send a text over to Tim, 565-2497. 
565-2497. He wants to hear from you. He told me to, he said, give them this number. They can text me, no phone calls, please. But he said, please have them text me. If they need advice on stuff, if you have questions about an item that you see at his website, uh, if you have questions about where to get something, if he doesn't have it at his store or on his site, he knows where to get it. So uh, you want to make an order, you want to ask about an item, or you want to get some advice, send him a text, 565-2497. Also, EMS and law enforcement folks, uh, if you are looking for uniforms, because now you got to wash them, like, uh, I think every 15 minutes or something, um, you need more of them now. Uh, if you need some uniforms, send Tim a text, 565-2497, or at oldgrouch.com. So you've got a growing drumbeat now, for the governor of North Carolina to offer up some sort of a path uh, that shows us the way forward. I am frankly surprised, I, I am, that um, that it's happening so quickly, this drumbeat. I, I knew that it was going to happen at some point, um, because of course it will, but I, I thought maybe it would be more towards the end of April rather than, you know, right in the middle of April. Um but I guess maybe it makes sense because now people are missing more rounds of paychecks. It's another two weeks right after the first of the month. And now we're halfway through the month. This would have been another uh, round of paychecks that are missed. And over at the American Spectator, there's a fellow named Bob Luddy who wrote a uh, an open letter to the governor, an urgent appeal to North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper in the American Spectator. Do you know who Bob Luddy is? Bob Luddy is president and founder of Captive Air Commercial Ventilation Technologies, which is based in North Carolina. Um, he's 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 a big one, all right. When it comes to <laughs> when it comes to businessmen in North Carolina, uh, he's a big one, and uh, he wrote this open letter to the governor, and it is scathing. I'm going to read to you virtually all of it. And uh, because this is now uh, this with the reopen NC movement that now just popped up basically in a week with now tens of thousands of people in it. um, I think there are a lot of folks who were like, everybody just shelter in place, just shelter in place. And they were part of this knowledge economy and they were thinking, oh, well, I'm fine. I can just work from home. Well, there are a lot of people who cannot work from home and they're not going to sit back and. Uh, just shrivel up and die, right? They're not going to do it. And so uh, there has to be some sort of a plan and um, uh, it has to be articulated and everybody has to understand that uh, things, yes, are going to change, but there has to be a, a uniform desire to open back up. Because right now it's starting to seem like there are a lot of people in the, quote, knowledge economy who just happen to be, you know, our ruling elite class, the political class. Uh, it, we're kind of getting the sense that they may use this as an opportunity to do some tinkering with the society that we've enjoyed up until this point. And yeah, and so that's that's motivating a lot of folks and folks may not want to hear that on the left, particularly Um but that's what folks on the right, that's what the sheepdogs uh, are, are sensing. That's why they're barking. Okay. So for every, this is what Luddy writes, for every COVID-19 case in North Carolina, 125 people have lost their jobs so far. I'm going to say that again. For every COVID case, 125 people lost their job. That's a different perspective, isn't it? He then says to the governor, you created this tragedy. 
your executive orders have quarantined healthy individuals for the first time in American history. Small businesses can no longer operate. Their employees are jobless. This may be a solution for your medical advisors, but the results are now devastating nearly every facet of our society. You have also effectively denied religious freedom, a God-given and constitutional right. Now you're in the process of stripping all of our freedoms purportedly to protect us from ourselves. COVID-19 is a serious virus, but North Carolinians are intelligent and practical. Each person is very capable of avoiding COVID-19 by practicing social distancing, hand-washing, and refraining from face-touching. The vulnerable and those with COVID-19 must stay home, but healthy individuals need to return to work and sustain our economy. It is important to put this virus into perspective, too. In 2009 through 2010, 60 million Americans had SARS. I didn't know that. 60 million Americans had SARS? That's nuts. Maybe I was one of them. It's possible. I don't remember. What was I doing in 2009-2010? Anyway, 60, 60, 60 million Americans had SARS. 18,000 died. But few remember this event because the government did not restrict freedoms over it. We are grateful and thankful to medical personnel and the healthcare industry for scaling up quickly and caring for those in need. Your executive orders have inflicted severe pain and suffering on our state. By the way, that is true. And I don't mean that, and he may be saying this as a, uh, you know, as an attack on the governor. I don't know his tone here, but... Um, but that is true. The executive orders have inflicted severe pain and suffering. And if you don't want to acknowledge that, then you're just not, you're just not an honest broker in the debate. Um, so then he gives a series of bullet points. He says, half a million people who have filed unemployment are just the beginning. There's going to be millions pleading for support. You vetoed the state budget, which means a lot of agencies don't have the financial resources needed in the crisis. Because businesses cannot survive very long without revenue, Thousands of small businesses soon will be permanently lost due to bankruptcy. The dreams and aspirations of their employees and families will be lost as well. We now have widespread shortages of critically needed products like paper goods, masks, and some food supplies. Since you have shuttered many producers, these shortages will become worse every week. Economies are fragile and interdependent. People and businesses rely on products and services provided by those shut down by your executive order. We are now witnessing a domino effect as more businesses close due to lack of supplies. Healthy people have been paralyzed in fear by the media and your health advisors to the point of great distrust and hysteria. Every citizen is now considered a suspect who may carry the virus and every, uh, even family members, he says, don't trust one another. In calmer times, this may be referred to as state-sponsored paranoia. Your orders are creating lines to buy critically needed food and supplies at grocery stores. Your shutdown mandates may soon lead to food riots and violence. Child abuse, domestic abuse, and suicide and depression rates are spiking. Special needs children are floundering, and children who depend on school lunches are hungry. Cardiac disease and cancer, the two leading causes of death in America... Uh, these patients are not receiving the critical care they need to survive. That right there is true, by the way. It's why I always talk about not lives versus money. It's lives versus lives. That's what this debate is about. It's not lives versus money. We're not arguing for the economy to open back up because we, we're greedy. We want money, money, money. I'm greedy. That's not the point. It's about lives being saved as well. The, you know, Is the juice worth the squeeze? These are difficult decisions. I'm not denying that. 
and I'm not advocating that you just open everything back up. I'm not on the, I'm not like on that side of the uh, issue here. I'm not like, hey, you open it all back up. Let's just get your herd immunity. We don't know enough about it to even know if you're going to get if you get it once. Does that mean you won't get it again? We don't know that. It's all brand new. Thank you, China. God, China. Hospitals are losing revenue and laying off medical personnel because they are not treating most patients and instead are waiting for COVID-19 cases, which are well below projections. North Carolina Certificate of Needs laws uh, prohibit adding new hospital beds or equipment without state approval, which makes hospitals a state-sponsored monopoly, driving up costs and reducing care. You could call a special session this week and end... North Carolina CON laws, and that would expand medical care and lower costs. Again, I ask, when will a reporter ask the governor why he hasn't uh, called into special session the legislature? There may be a legitimate reason for it, but I haven't heard anybody ask him, hey, why haven't you done that? Wouldn't it be better to have the General Assembly in session so they can, you know, respond quickly with emergency funding bills or whatever you may need? No? Oh, okay. Bob Luddy continues, Your plan is to save us from COVID-19 based on virtually no data and death projections that were wildly overstated and are now being revised downward by the medical community. In the process, quality of life as we know it is rapidly declining and thousands are without jobs. Every week you make life more difficult with more onerous regulations. This is an urgent appeal to consider the destruction your orders are causing compared to the purported benefits. You should allow all healthy workers and businesses to resume their roles as producers of critically needed goods and services for our families. Remember, economic destruction and job losses are measured in hours as your team talks in terms of months. That is something I think that it takes a businessman or an entrepreneur um, to articulate. To, to, to think about and then articulate to a you know lifelong politician like uh, like Roy Cooper, for real, he's exactly right. Like his team, Cooper's team, they're talking in terms of months. Like the, the, these these academics and and people who are pretty well insulated from this, and I say that like financially speaking, they are insulated. They they're they're working at uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, a university system and they're not going to get let go they're not going to get fired right no no we need these people these are the experts that are going to be advising everybody and you know the governor he's not taking a pay cut he's drawing his salary he has his place to live right so uh it, it takes a business person an entrepreneur to come along and say hey you guys are talking in terms of weeks and stuff but economic destruction and job losses these things are measured in hours like Hey, we just closed up. We didn't make any money today, and yeah, we're out of business. We can't. We, we can't open the doors. I, I I'm not sure people like people see the closed down businesses and stuff, and they think, oh well, they'll, you know, it'll, it'll be coming back. We'll be coming back. It's optimistic. I suspect we're going to lose half of the small businesses in America, and that's that, 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 that's never happened. It is a catastrophe. Never seen before. And that has to be part of the equation, right? That has to be part of the analysis that the leadership makes 
that they're not simply listening to the medical advisors, because as I've outlined before, yes, any medical advisor is going to say that if you want to stop the spread of any illness of any virus like this is, yeah, separate everybody. Okay, well, that's the way you effectively stop everything. So you separate everybody. But is that the way best for a society to deal with something like this? Not long term. This isn't even a medium term solution. This can't last much longer. The pressure is already starting to build. Luddy is another example of it. The protest from Reopen NC is another example of it. He says, uh, let me finish up his letter here. He says, this is an urgent appeal. um, And your claim that your restrictions have slowed the virus may be valid. But the virus will not disappear because we stayed home. It is clear we have experienced almost a complete loss of freedom. By the end of this quarantine, our jobs and our way of life will all have been decimated. No amount of government money or programs can repair a fragile, interdependent network that took hardworking people decades to build. Most Americans want our products to be manufactured in America. But this is not possible because you shut down our economy. In truth... Government interventions lead to trouble, cause further problems, and create more interventions. Governor Cooper, it is time to lead by following the example of many governors announcing this week the return of our freedom of association and our ability to support and feed our families. All healthy individuals in North Carolina must return to work immediately before our state economy and jobs are destroyed. Again, that's Bob Luddy, Captive Air founder and CEO. So Governor Cooper does his briefing, and guess what? Headline, carolinajournal.com. Cooper outlines what it will take to reopen businesses while punting on the protest question. (laughs) Yes, I have the audio. Let's take a listen. As of today, we have 5,123 confirmed cases in our state, 431 people in the hospital, and 117 deaths. As with every day, our prayers are with those fighting this virus and the families and friends of those who've lost their lives. Orders to stay at home and limit occupancy in stores are in effect, as well as bans on large gatherings and closures of certain types of businesses that can't practice social distancing. And I'm sure I don't need to remind parents out there that schools are closed. But because of these measures and the good work of North Carolinians, our hospitals are not overwhelmed right now. Hospital beds, ICU beds, and ventilators are available. North Carolina has the capacity to treat patients who contract contract the virus. Our efforts to flatten the curve are working, and that means we have saved lives. The stay-at-home orders are working, but we know our current situation is not sustainable in the long run. We can't stay home forever. And I know people are wondering, where do we go from here? (laughs) Really? Uh, Did you pick up on that? Governor, that people are wondering, where do we go from here? Isn't that amazing? He somehow it got through the palace walls. Somehow the people's voices have gotten through. What is going to happen in the medium and long term governor? So he's been thinking about it. Glad you asked, peasants. On Monday, I talked about significant efforts underway to consider when and how 
we'll be able to ease restrictions. Today, I want to share more about what's going into those considerations. This virus is going to be with us until there's a vaccine, which may be a year or more away. Okay, I, I stop for a second here because it was only I've been watching these briefings now for weeks, and it finally clicked for me what's wrong when I like what it is that uh, that just grates on my nerves when I watch this uh these performances by the governor i finally realized what it is it's not no it's it's not his party affiliation it is that he smiles when he reads the teleprompter i didn't realize it before but he does he's and look i get it his face he just has a just because of like where the wrinkles are on his face he just has this uh and the the way his brow is shaped you know it always kind of looks like he's got this perpetual grin thing going on but um but no he's 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 i think really bad at reading the teleprompter and so as he reads from it and they've got it that's the other thing too they've got two teleprompters apparently and they bounce back and forth so he's going left to right like he's giving some sort of a speech which is weird because there's only one camera just talk to the camera why do they have two teleprompters as if they're talking to this big room full of people, <laughs> they're looking left and they're looking right. And the whole time he's smiling and he's reading this script and he's trying to offer inflection at the right points like that. And some of the stuff comes across as uh, it. Well, it's just condescending. It's patronizing is what it is. It comes across as patronizing, and it probably is to some degree. Um, it, it's this, it, again, being treated like a child, being talked to as if we are children. And here, class of first graders, here is a chart that shows you, oh, look at this slogan. It's testing and tracing and trends. It's the three T's, everybody. It's that. And I don't appreciate being talked to like that. I don't appreciate being patronized like that and condescended to that. I mean, that's just me. And maybe this works for them. I don't know. Maybe this, I don't know. Maybe like in their circle, they think that they need to talk to people like this. Or maybe that's actually how they talk to each other. And this is this has been sort of my reaction to this kind of delivery uh, in public speaking for as long as I can remember. And the first time I ever remember coming up against it was in college. And I went and I was taking uh, education classes. I was in the, the track to become a teacher. And um, I took a couple of classes, see if it was for me. And after about, uh, I want to say it was the second class I was in and I'm being talked to like that. And it finally clicked for me like, oh, these people are talking to me as if I'm a child in a classroom because that's where they came from, right? They're used to standing in front of a classroom talking to children. They're treating me like one, but I'm not a child. So uh, that's when I was like, I'm not going to be able to last in this uh, degree program if everybody's talking to me like this. I will. <laughs> I would, I'm going to have some serious problems. Uh, and th but that's that's how the governor speaks to to people. But it's different when he answers the questions. When he's answering the questions, he doesn't do that. He doesn't smile. He doesn't smile like he smiles when he's reading the speech. Maybe it's just training, like they trained him to smile when he reads the speeches, I guess. But there's a disconnect between sort of the, the smiling 
jovial kind of delivery versus the content of what he's saying. <laughs> We're in the middle of a plague, everybody. It's a pandemic. <laughs> Thanks, Governor. All right. So I just felt like, like I had this aha moment watching this. And so I just wanted to share it with you is all. That means as we ease restrictions, we're going to enter a new normal. We want to get back to work while at the same time preventing that spike that will overwhelm our hospitals with COVID-19 patients. Today, I want to tell North Carolinians that in order to ease restrictions, we need to make progress in three areas, testing, tracing, and trends. Oh, oh. First, testing. Oh, the three teeth. Our new normal relies on an increase in testing capabilities to isolate and track new cases of COVID-19. This means having the supplies and lab capacity to do more diagnostic testing as well as reliable antibody testing that can tell us who has had the virus. Do you hear, do you hear, now you hear what I'm talking about, right? To do more testing, to find out who has had the virus. These, these, this like affected delivery that he has, it, it, it's unsettling to be, it's kind of disturbing. Okay. To be honest, it's kind of disturbing. Dr. Cohen is bringing together partners from the public and private sector to coordinate efforts to ensure that testing is widely available across the state. And I'll let her talk more about that in a minute. Second, tracing. Tracing. We have to boost our public health workforce to trace and track new cases of COVID-19. Contact tracing can be effective in containing new outbreaks, but it requires a lot of people and a lot of legwork. When a new positive case pops up, the tracing efforts will work to identify people who've been in contact so that they can get tested and take the right precautions. Our North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services will enter partnerships with universities and hospitals and others that will increase our public health workforce and get this job done. <laughs> and finally, trends. In order to ease restrictions, we have to see COVID-19 trends move in the right direction. That includes trends in, a number, in the number of new positive cases, the numbers of people in the hospital, the numbers of deaths, as well as how that works with the available supply of personal protective equipment, hospital capacity, and more. We know we must continue to protect our state especially the most vulnerable and high-risk people, even after we've eased certain restrictions. Until we have a vaccine or effective and available treatment, these people are still uniquely at risk. In our new normal, we will still have to decrease the risk of exposure for older people and those with underlying health conditions and continue strong precautions in nursing homes and other congregate living settings. In our new normal, you may see more people wearing masks or having their temperature checked. 
A restaurant you may go into may have tables that are only partially full. The only sporting events or concerts that you may be able to watch for a while will have no in-person crowds. A new normal can get us back to work, back to school, and back to play, but in a new way for a while. Experts tell us it would be dangerous to lift our restrictions all at once. Rather than an on-off light switch, think about it more as a dimmer switch, which can be adjusted incrementally. Mm. As we slowly bring the lights back up, we have to monitor for troubling signs of a spike in cases that could overwhelm our hospitals and risk lives. All right. So, by the way, that dimmer switch analogy apparently made the rounds on the talking points because there were like half a dozen Democrat governors who were all saying the same thing. So obviously there is some coordination of messaging going on here (laughs) Uh, at a level that's beyond our state level. Okay, it's coming from the national folks, I guess. So getting this right, testing, tracing and trends is the most important step. That's not a step. It will lead to getting our state's economic recovery right, too. See, that's not a step. That's not a step. It's not like you take one step and all three of these things are done. Like that's the, the those are all processes, right? Testing, tracing, trends. Testing is ongoing. It's going to last for years down the road. Tracing, same thing. Trends, same thing. That's not a step. And he just he just says right there, too, that this will allow for economic recovery. So he's div- he's divorcing the recovery from the steps that have to take. For, like, do you understand what's going to happen to the budget, the state budget? The budget deficit is going to be billions of dollars. Where are we getting the money for this? How are you ramping up the testing? What's getting cut? Oh, you're going to just raise taxes? Is that the idea? Just raise taxes on everybody? Who's working? <laughs> Who's working? This isn't a plan. This is like this is like saying, you know what? I have a plan to go on a diet. That's my plan. My plan is to diet. And here it is. I'm going to tell you what the plan to lose weight is. It's a diet. And I'm going to eat less. That's the plan. It's actually not a plan. That's not a plan. That's a goal, right? It's like, okay, yeah, I got a goal. I'd like to lose weight. What's the plan to do so? I'm going to eat less. Of what? How often? Right? Like, that's not that's not the pl- the plan would be. I'm going to restrict certain calories. I'm going to, you know, eat these types of foods, like at this time of day and all that. That's an actual plan. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. But he can't say that because of the protest and because he's getting all of this uh, pushback now. Sending people back to work and school while making sure recovery money is flowing to people and small businesses is absolutely essential. So are the right public health measures to give each other confidence that we can go back to our lives safely and that health care will be there when we need it. Now, I know the changes that we've all made in our lives seem to have happened very quickly. And it's important to understand that undoing those changes won't happen as fast. To protect our health and long-term economic prosperity, we have to act with care rather than haste. 
Like everybody else, I'm anxious to get North Carolina back to normal. But we have to be realistic for a while. There will be a new normal as we adjust. I know that North Carolinians will continue to look out for one another as we work together to recover our economy and beat this virus. And we will beat this virus. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> and we will. He's laughing. And we will beat this virus. You, you virus, you, we're going to get you. <laughs> what? This, I don't know, man. I, I, I fully acknowledge I might be in a very, very distinct and small minority of people that this messaging doesn't work on. It's quite possible. I just find it to be insulting for the most part. Okay. Um, I would like to see coming out of this, though, uh, a recalibration of the discussion away from essential and non-essential jobs into whether or not jobs can be done safely. Because at this point, I don't care if you're considered to be, quote, essential or not essential, because there are a lot of essential jobs that cannot be done safely. And then there are non-essential jobs that can be done safely. And this now gives rise to this entire debate that's erupting over churches. Because you're telling me I can walk into a retail establishment that's allowed 20% of its occupancy. And then, um, like, so the building is, uh, the occupancy is 1,000 people. And I'm allowed to put 20% of the people into that building. And that's a retail place. But right next door is a church, same size, but the church is by executive order limited to 10 people. Why? Why does the why does the retail space get you know 200 and the church gets 10 if it's the same size and has the same occupancy? See, this is what I mean. So many of these things it's an inconsistent application of standards and it's 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 driving people crazy and they're seizing on these things and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. It's because some of this stuff is so arbitrary and capricious. Unlike the decision to buy or sell a house, right? Current events have impacted all of us in very different ways. And if you have been actively looking to buy a house, you might be wondering how to proceed with all of this. Well, with Rowena Patton, your search does not have to be postponed. She's offering walking tour videos and has been since 2007. So it's just like the real thing without having to leave home. Start out with a video consult with Rowena, 333-4483. That's her phone number, 333-4483. Call the only agent that I would call if I'm buying a house or selling a house, no matter if there is a global pandemic or not. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So Roy Cooper's plan that he unveiled, and again, using plan in the air quotes, even Gary Robertson at the Associated Press was not completely... Uh, bowled over by the details. Cooper, and this is what Gary Robertson writes in his story at AP, Cooper and the Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Mandy Cohen did not give many specifics on what would equate to meeting testing, tracing, and statistical goals. But Cohen said there were good developments on testing access, and the case count shows that the stay-at-home order is working. So like even Gary Robertson notes that they're not getting specifics. Which brings me to two editorials, 
One from Rick Henderson at the Carolina Journal, uh, hardly a left-wing rag, and the McClatchy Observer's editorial board, uh, newly combined News and Observer and Charlotte Observer, right? Um, Well, I was going to say hardly a liberal rag, but uh, anyway, both of them agree that Cooper's proposal lacks a critical fourth T. This is what they're calling it, the fourth T. He needs one more T. So you got the you got the testing and you got the tracing and you got the trends, but you don't have the transparency. Transparency is the fourth T. Uh, and uh, Rick Henderson says, look, we've been asking questions of the governor uh, about this blueprint uh, for what he's been calling the new normal. And so far, no response from him. We have registered to ask questions at these news conferences and they've been shut out. Carolina Journal has been shut out. But this isn't about us, he says. More than 10 million North Carolinians have a right to know when they can hope to return to work, to church, to family and friends and other social gatherings. They deserve to know with some detail how the new normal might be phased in what might speed up the process, and what might slow it down. We're not getting that from our chief executive. Uh, And then they go on, they also list a number of examples. I've got the links as well. We'll get into it next week here because I'm almost out of time. But um, at the Monday news conference, uh, for example, he talked about the team that's helping him make these decisions. But he hasn't said who's on the team. The News and Observer's editorial board, they're concerned that they're not getting data that they're asking for, and they're worried because it gives Republicans an opportunity to attack him. <laughs> and please let us help you, Governor. Please let us help you. We just want to help you. Okay. Uh, if you want to help the program, uh, do me a favor. Download the podcast and become a subscriber. That would be fantastic. It's free. Thanks so much for all of the support, and you can check the description for all of the links you need. We'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend. Don't break anything while I'm gone.